Hello, Crossroads family and guests. We are so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. We want to let you know about our website, wherelifechanges.com. There you can find more about church events, ministries, and giving options. Check out Pastor Lee's blog at pastorlee.net. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at crcc underscore social. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wherelifechanges. We really hope that the message today would inspire and encourage you to worship passionately, serve others, and share truth. Now let's jump into the message. And uh, get ready to get into the scripture this morning. Um, A lot of crazy stuff has happened this week. And uh, Pastor Thomas was supposed to preach as Pastor Lee was going to be on vacation celebrating his 30th year anniversary with my mom. I'm happy they met, right? And um, Thomas started feeling a little weird. And so I made an offhand comment. If he can't go, I could do it. And um, my dad called my bluff, and so here I am. Um, and I was in Houston at the time, taking some time off, and, and he called me at a good time because I was on the way to the golf course. And if you've ever played golf, you realize that you get a lot closer to God out there because you're praying that he would just move the ball where it needs to go. Um, he didn't hear me. I hit a lot of trees, um, probably killed some wildlife, but it, I had a good time. Got closer to Jesus. Anytime you're praying, you're getting closer, right? Um, but today I want to talk about um, Psalms. And, and so I, I was trying to prepare and, and think about what I wanted to talk about. And I was starting down a road and I, and I felt like I, what I was preparing was just something that I wanted to talk about that I thought a lot of people should hear. Um, and it's not really what I wanted to do. I wanted the Holy Spirit to kind of guide it. And he took it into a place that's a little uncomfortable for me um, because I've experienced it recently. Um, and so I may get a little emotional. I want this uh, message to be encouraging to you because it's what helped me make it through this time period. Um, but it starts a little rough. I'll just be honest with you, okay? So Psalms, you see them on Facebook. You see them on mugs, on T-shirts, and they're fun things that we get to pull out, right? Um, often we find one that makes us feel good for the day, and we think on it, you know, and, and we're picking and, and plucking, and, and for some extent of that, that's what they were for. That's what they were made for, right? But rarely do people study all the way through the book of Psalms, right? And so what you find when you look into the, the culture of Israel is they wrote tons and tons of poetry, like Tons of it. That's what happens when you don't have TV. You just write poems all the time, right? That was their entertainment. It was their art. It was how they got their feelings out and and just poured everything out into this, right? And so the book of Psalms is the largest collection that we have of that poetry in the Bible. But it's not just thrown together. It's carefully crafted, and every poem is put in order on purpose, and when you look from beginning to end, you have a, a complete, beautiful, poetic, colorful story of the entire Bible from start to finish, which is a testament to the power of the Holy Spirit, because me and you know how the book ends. They didn't know how the book end, right? And so they wrote these things that told the whole story. And what you find when you're reading through Psalms is there's a lack of detail as far as the events that are going on. In the 
reason for that is their purpose was not to try to um, record a historic event. Some of what they were doing. They were pouring their heart out to God. Okay? And, and, and as they were doing this, the Holy Spirit is guiding. He's speaking through. And because there's this lack of detail to the event, it is applicable the same as it was then as it is today as we read through these things and realize, wow, that looks like my life. Right? And so let me, let me give you a little history um, of, about Israel. So early on, um, Israel was very nomadic. They moved all the time. Okay. And so God had given them the Ark of the Covenant, which was where the presence of God resided. And they put that inside of the tabernacle. Okay. And the tabernacle was a giant tent. Right. And, and it's the same word for dwell. And the word literally means to pitch a tent. Okay. And so then Israel developed a little bit. They built a temple. Then they put the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. And they painted the temple with beautiful art. There was songs being sang, offerings being made, prayer, and there was true worship happening in this tabernacle. Right? And and what is interesting is later on in the Gospels, and this is just a little side note because it's neat. The Bible is awesome. In the book of John, it uses the exact same word, that they used for the tabernacle to describe Jesus. So Jesus was the embodiment of the presence of God. And now it was no longer tamed to a a tent. It wasn't um, contained within a building, but was walking around with you and me. And then Jesus talks about a helper that would be to come after him, which is the Holy Spirit. And now we have the presence of God available and ready to us right now. Isn't that beautiful? So let's back up a little bit, okay? So they, they developed the temple, and I'm giving you a lot of history in a short amount of time here. Their enemies, Babylon, come in and destroy everything. Rip them to shreds, burn everything. They burn the temple. They take them out of their land, and now the place where they connected with God was gone. And they're in a foreign land, not able to do their customs, live their type of life. They have to live the Babylonian life. So how did they connect? That's what the book of Psalms were. It became a guided prayer for them as they were seeking to connect with the Holy Spirit in the middle of exile, in the middle of pain, and even in the middle of some joyous times as well. Right, Me and you go to Hobby Lobby for that now and just buy devotionals and guided prayer books. They didn't have those things. They had psalms. And so they prayed them, and they stuck to them hard. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you were feeling something, you were seeing something, but in the back of your mind, you knew way down deep something else, and you knew what you were supposed to know? even though what was going on was totally different, right? And it's way back there, and it's a tiny little voice. But you know what you should know, what you should be feeling. But your reality looks a lot different, right? I think that's a fantastic 
description of the psalm that we're going to look at today, and that's at Psalm 22. And we're just going to begin to walk through this together. And uh, you can turn to that if you'd like. It's going to be on the screen as well. Jaden, you can go ahead and put that up there. In Psalm 22, uh, verse 1, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we can stop right there because a lot of you may have recognized this phrase. It was made famous by Jesus in the third hour hanging on the cross. And see, in that culture, in that time, everyone studied the scriptures. And so if I were to quote an opening line to you, it was me quoting the entire psalm to you, telling you this is where I'm at right now. Okay? Because everyone knew it. So when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting Psalms 22 saying, this is where I'm at. That's very important for us. And we'll get to that um, in just a bit. It moves on and says, why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. I believe David was trying to convey the way that things should be in this statement. In the daytime, we are meant to um, persevere. We are meant to accomplish, to move, to love, to, to relate, right? We do things during the day, but at night we find rest. And rest is extremely important to God, and you'll find it all through Scripture, and he even relates it to, to holiness. So rest is important to God, right? And so he's saying, by day I find no answer, and at night I'm finding no rest. I'm working and not finding it. And when I'm trying to relax and just trust you, I can't. How many times are you up late at night, with your thoughts tormenting you? Stress of the, the projects to come the next day? Overwhelming you? Anger, heartbreak, whatever it may be. And we sit there sleepless. And we think it's, it's normal because we all talk about it. I had a terrible night last night. So worried about that meeting this morning. Right? And, and, and when, we're, when we're caught up in these things, it's things we, we stress because we can't control. Right? If you think about it, the only reason I'm stressing over something is because I want to control it. I want to make sure that it goes the way that I want. I can't do anything about it at night. It's time to rest. And the only way I find rest is if I trust that the God that says he's in control is actually in control. And that's kind of a little side note, maybe help you sleep at night. But just because it's what's normal within our society does not mean that's what God intended for you. God wants you to rest. He wants you to let these things go. Close your eyes. Go to sleep. Our relationship with God is through our mind, body, and soul. It's all the way around. Your body affects your spirit, and your spirit affects your body. Okay? So then my favorite word in the, in the Psalms 22 comes up. It says, yet you are enthroned. That word yet is my favorite word. If you're into English, I am not. I hate it. I hate writing papers. I hate being graded on writing papers. 
how can you grade me on my own thoughts? I don't know. Um, but they do it, right? And they give us grades for it. So, but the word yet is used as an adverb a lot of times, right? I'm describing the time in which I've done something. I have not yet ate lunch, right? Or I haven't ate lunch yet. It's probably the better sentence there, right? It, but more often, what it is used for is a, is a conjunction. Now, a conjunction is a word that is used to tie two thoughts together, okay? So it's used to tie two thoughts together, but the word yet is also meant to draw attention to contrast. So these two thoughts are connected, yet totally different. So it's okay to have something going on, seeing all this, feeling all this, but knowing way down deep, I should be here. I should be feeling this. That's okay, and it's normal. Right? He says, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the only one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. Move on to, to five there, Jaden. To you, they cried out, and you were saved. In you, they trusted, and you were not put to shame. So, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's where he's at. That's his current state. Yet, I know that you're the Holy One. You delivered us before, and I know it. It's way back here, but I know it. It's down deep in my spirit, but I know it. These two thoughts are going on at the same time. As we read on, you'll see that David is flipping back and forth between this and that. Okay. Moving on to to verse 6, it says, But I am a worm and not a man. Scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who seek me, see me, mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. That's deep. He's saying, I've lost all worth. I'm not even a person anymore. And on top of that, everyone's making fun of him for believing in a God that told him he had worth. Have you been that? Have you been in that? I've lost all worth. And maybe maybe it hasn't been as direct as somebody making fun. But maybe it has been. And sometimes it's the closest people to you. Your own family. Where's your God now? You're always at church, but you just got fired. Where is he? Where is he? It's demoralizing. It's humiliating. As we sit there without an answer. Right? Because remember, we're sitting saying, God, why have you forsaken me? You're gone. 
And then here comes that word yet again in contrast. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you. Even at my mother's breast from birth, I was cast on, on you from my mother's womb. You have been my God. I'm not even a person. Everyone's making fun of me for even believing in you. Yet, I know that you're my God. You've been with me from the beginning, and you're still here. That's a hard place to be. Because it's deep. If, you, if you've been over here, then you know how deep these thoughts really are. You got to move a lot of junk just to get close to them. Verse 11, it says, do not be far from me. For trouble is near and there's no one to help. Now he's going to start describing the pain that he's feeling. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. It's right there. That's intense. That's a bad place. It's not a place I want to be, but it's a place I've been. As you sit there and say, what else could you possibly take? I got nothing. You can see all my bones. And Jesus quotes this from the, from the cross. In the third hour, Jesus is quoting this. Our God, our Savior. He's quoting this, saying, that's where I'm at. And you see, David didn't know the things to come, and yet he writes, you pierce my hands, and you pierce my feet. As Jesus is taking his last breath, right below him, they are taking his clothes, dividing them up and casting lots to see who will take them. This is what our God went through. In verse 19, it changes. It goes from a yet. Remember, yet brings attention to contrast, but ties together two thoughts. But is a even though, despite, that's what but is. So the attitude, the, the tone is changing here. It's no longer a yet. 
he, he's, he's describing this process of thought as he's been battling between these two. But as he starts to say, but, he's starting to lean a little more over here. But you are Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dogs. Rescue me. Rescue me from the mouths of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people in this assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations." All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. He has done it. And and, and he moves from a yet to a but. And see, when this psalm was brought to my attention, I, I was in a, in a class, and they were talking about the, the custom of quoting the first line of a psalm. And so we had to come up with examples, and one of the examples was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so I looked it up, and I went to Psalms 22, and I began to read it. And I could barely make it through it. Because it was describing everything I felt to a T. There was no way God loved me. And yet these things happened. It even described the other side. Because way back there, I could hear him, and I didn't want to hear it. And so I learned from the psalm, and I took a few things from it. The first thing I took was, it's okay to feel the chaos and wonder where God is. Because remember, Jesus quoted this. He said, this is where I'm at. I ain't Jesus. I ain't better than that guy. You kidding me? If he felt that, why couldn't I? It's okay. Hurt is part of life. The second 
is even though the chaos is very real, I have to begin to separate the truth from the lies because I do not wage war like the, like the world does. And we get this from 2 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 5. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you when away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some who think that we live by the standards of this world. For we live in the world, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The world will tell you how to deal with this. The pain, the anger, the heartache, the betrayal. And the crazy thing is, is sometimes it even sounds right. Right? Like, like it's not a far jump. Your mind can, can get there quick. Right? See, the enemy doesn't come to Billy and say, Billy, go kill David. Because that's not where Billy's at. But he can come to Billy and say, remember the thing David said? What do you think he meant by that? We're going to be rude to him and ignore him for like a month and a half. No minute more, no minute less. month and a half, that sounds good. Right? And we get there quick. And sometimes it sounds right, but... The world always takes it too far, and they twist it. And by, and by they, I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about enemies, because the Bible tells us our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness. It is not us versus them. I want to make that clear. Okay? Because we were once all them, and it wasn't anything that we did to get into here. It was the Holy Spirit. And some of us still have one foot out and one foot in. Okay, so I just want to make that clear. I got distracted for a second. But the world always always takes things and it perverts things because that's what the enemy does. But the weapons that God gives us are totally different. The way he tells us to handle things is completely different because we do not wage war the way that the world does. What does it say? It says, contrary. We actually have weapons that have divine power to demolish strongholds. I don't know anything in the world that can demolish strongholds. And I've tried some. I'm sure y'all have tried some. That's why I like our, our ministry of Celebrate Recovery. Right? Hurts, habits, hang-ups. We all deal with them. We've all tried to break them. And through the things that the world tells you, you may be able to kick them for a little bit. But through the weapons that Jesus gives you, 
you can break those chains forever and never go back. So we have to, to start to separate the, the, the lies from the truth. And when I was in this place, the lies and the truth were so intertwined, you couldn't tell what was what, where was coming from where. And it was confusing. It was like trying to make it through a jungle of vines. And there's nowhere to go. So you have to start separating it. Well, how do I know which vines to cut? It tells me that it gives me weapons. So how do I, how do I start to cut these vines? The, the way that you start to separate the truth from the lies is by being in the word and knowing the promises of God. I can't behave the way that he's telling me to. I can't feel the things he's telling me to. I can't love the way he's telling me to if I don't know the way he's telling me to. So as you're sitting here and you got your, your, your spiritual machete trying to get through this jungle, you got to know from the scripture which vines to cut. You got to start detangling them. And, you know, that's why I, it's my, the worst part of Christmas time is pulling out the Christmas lights. And trying to get them all straight, it's worse. It's so difficult. And that's with Christmas lights. Now we're talking about spiritual truths and lies that are down deep in your spirit. It's tough. It's tough. It's hard. So we have to stay in the, in, in the word. We have to know it. Because if we're waiting until we're in the face of it, in the midst of the jungle, I'm not going to say it's too late. Because our God's mercies are great. But it's going to be a lot more difficult. We have to be with him all the time, in his scriptures all the time. And now once I do this, once I start to separate the truth from the lies and I start to cut away, clearing my path, trying to make it through this, this craziness, I have to move from the yet to the but. I have to move from the contrast to the even though. Even though I'm looking for an answer in the day and find nothing, even though I cry out at night looking for rest and I can't find it, you are the holy one, right? Because when, when he moves in verse 19 to the but, all this stuff hasn't stopped. All the hurt, all the attacks, it's still going, but yet he's able to move from a yet to a but. And so once we start to do this, we have to start to claim them boldly over our life and allow this to dictate our response. It says there at the very end uh, of verse 5, it says to take, uh, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's what dictates our response to the things, not what the world tells us to do. I was driving home shortly after as I was overwhelmed by emotion. Ready to be done with it. I was sick. Couldn't take it. But in the back of my mind, I could hear it. Zach, you are a prized child of God, and he loves you. And has plans for you. 
But it was almost like I didn't want to hear it. It's like I wanted to sit in my sorrow. So what I did is I forced myself to say it out loud. And again, I don't want to tell this as a boastful thing because that's nothing that I did. It was the Holy Spirit because I was ready to be done. Gave me the strength. And so what I did is I said it out loud. Zach, you are a prized child of God. And he loves you and he has plans for you. And the first time I said it, it was rough. I could barely get through it. You know, the <laughs> kind of crying. <laughs> but the second time, it was a little bit easier. And the third time, it was a little bit easier. And the next morning, I started to believe it. And the next morning, I began to declare it. We have to separate the truth from the lies because the enemy is good at what he does. And he will tear you down so fast. But it is hard to do that on your own. The Bible says that the truth comes out in the assembly. See, when, when I go to breakfast with Billy and David and I'm telling them these lies that are going on in my mind and they are sitting with the Holy Spirit on their own time, it's going to be really difficult for those lies to start to take root as they start to tell me biblical truth. But the only way that happens is if I'm real and I talk to Billy and I talk to David and I let them in. See, we never even want to get to these thoughts because we're like, oh, we can't even feel them. Like that, that makes us like a bad Christian, right? I've been saying Bible verses since I was five years old in Sunday school. I can't now say, God, where are you? Or God saved me from the life of addiction. I can't now say, God, where are you? Why not? Jesus did. See, Jesus had to experience everything the exact same way we do so that he could stand in the gap and break the chain so that we can overcome the things that are coming. Amen? Yeah, you can clap for that. See, the, the, the biggest lie in, in this Western world, right, because we operate different than the rest of the world. You just need to know, okay? Um, everyone else is much more family-oriented, and they just think different, okay? But in the, in the Western world, what they loved, the, the, this myth is that Jesus exists to solve all of your problems and make it all go away. And like I said, remember, it's not a hard leap to get there. What do, what do we sing all the time? He's my Savior. He's my Savior. He's my friend. He's my Father. So it's not a hard leap to get to. He should just make everything go away, right? See, but if we're in the word, then we know the truth from the lie. And Jesus himself tells us, life is going to be hard. Take a look at mine, right? No, no part of what Jesus did was easy. Even eating, they didn't have ovens. They had to like grill outside 
go to Richard. He knows how to do that stuff. I would have died, right? But everything they did was difficult. They had to walk from city to city. Days. It was hard. Everything about Jesus' life was hard, even down to the, the minuscule things that we don't even think about. In fact, Jesus, in John 10.10, he's talking to us, and he says, I came so that you may have life and have life to the full. See, that word full, if if you've gone through the transformation class, this is my plug for the transformation class. If you haven't done it, do it. We talk about this word all the time because we think it's so important. That word breaks up into two words, vigor and vitality. It means force and strength. You don't need force and strength when things are easy. So Jesus says, I came to give you life to the full, which is a force and a strength. So I didn't come to make everything disappear. He's not a magic eraser that you pull out of the cabinet, get the kid Sharpie off the wall, right? He came to give you the strength to have the elbow grease to get it off like old times, right? And, and so that, that is what he, what he what he's came to be. And too often we live our lives as Christians waiting for the day that we die so that we can end up in this pearly city up on a cloud like, you know, the one that looks like the the paintings in our grandma's house. And we wait for that day. We'll get there. But to me, that's a pretty small God. He just... Said, I just came so that your life will still stink, but one day it'll be pretty cool, pretty cool. I don't know, we may fly, who knows, right? It's not, it's not even biblical. Jesus talks so much more about the day-to-day than he does about the forever. Because he desires for you to experience his blessings, his strengths, his mercies right now. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. That's talking about right now. Why is it important to us that Jesus quoted this? For a couple reasons. One, comfort. My Jesus has felt everything. And he is sitting next to me, crying with me. The other is he's our intercessor to God. And so in Hebrews, it tells us that we have a high priest that understands. So not only is he sitting with us, he's saying, God, I, I'm, I'm here with them, and I know this is so hard what they're going through. He wants to bring those blessings now. And it doesn't mean life will go away. I know this isn't, I want it to be encouraging, but it's kind of a tough one on the first sermon of the year, right? Um, As we talk about bones being bare. But the reality is we know good times will come, but we know bad times will come. Right? We talk about 2020 and 2021 like they're just the worst years possible. 
But the reality is, is most of us could sit around this room and think of another year that tore us up worse. And so God wants to equip you so that you make it through these times the way that God has called you to. Because the way that God has called you to leads to a life abundant and strong. And see, and every time I come through this, I get closer to God. Because it's a process. Vigor and vitality, strength and force. When you were five years old, five pounds was a lot. And you got a little stronger, went up to 10 pounds, then 30 pounds. Then maybe you stopped working out for a little bit, dropped back down to 25 pounds. And then you, you, you work up, right? It's a process. But we just want to say the prayer and say, fix everything. And when he doesn't, say, well, this just doesn't work, huh? When everything Jesus is saying is, this is a process, Come hold my hand and walk with me. And when it gets tough, I'll carry you. Right? So, why don't y'all stand with me as we end? I know I went a little late. Um, I don't do this all the time, so. Right? Um, But I wanted to end with this song. Thank you. Right? I wanted to end with this song. but, but first, I just want to challenge you. In this new year, do something new. Okay? I'm telling you right now to this body, I'm trying to do a reading the Bible in 90-day plan. Because I want you all to hold me accountable. Ask me about it. Not today. I'm already behind. Okay? I was supposed to read 16 chapters yesterday. It didn't happen. Right, But that may seem like a lot for some of you, and maybe you just need to start with a year plan. Because remember, how do you cut the vines if you don't know which is which? So you got to get in the Word. So do something new. Find a reading plan. Maybe, maybe that's even too much. Just say, I'm going to commit to reading something from the Scriptures every day. Or maybe just every couple days. Right? It doesn't matter where you start. Because it's a process. It's going to be a long time anyway. (laughs) Right? We're here and we're walking with God. Join a small group. Right? As the example I gave with me, Billy, and David, that happens within small groups. As As you develop relationships that you can open up with people and be real with people. It's a relationship. You've heard it before. I can't have a relationship with my wife if I only show up for two hours every once a week. Just acquaintances. A relationship is day to day, in the good and in the bad. So I want to challenge you that. Because the, the problems that were hard for me yesterday are not as hard for me tomorrow because of the process of walking with Jesus. But there's problems coming tomorrow that I am not ready for. But if I'm in him today, I'll be ready for it. And it will be hard, but I'll know which vines to cut. And we'll cut one vine at a time, and we can do it together. You weren't intended to do it alone. 
It's not in his plan. So stop trying. Stop trying. I want to sing this. Because when we're in these moments, nothing else matters except God, Jesus Christ. Nothing else will do. You've tried it. I've tried it. Nothing else will do. Let's pray together. God, we come to you today. And I just pray that spirits will be encouraged. That they have a God that has been through and is sitting with them in the times of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But you are also the God that stays with us as we develop from the yet to the but. God, help us to decipher through your scriptures what is the lie and what is the truth. And God, help us to to have the confidence and the boldness to be open with the people that are sitting around us. To develop deep, meaningful relationships and, and to use the body of Christ the way that you intended it to. That we may edify one another, lifting one another up. God, right now, I just want to pray blessings over every family represented in this building, every friendship that is represented in this building, that there would be favor all over them in 2022. And that when the hardships come, we band together. And we will begin to believe the truth and boldly proclaim it over our lives. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you for your time and listening today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends. Also, remember to follow us on social media. If you ever find yourself in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning at 1040 a.m. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.